Welcome to the weekly podcast of Soul Purpose Evangelical Church, located in the city of Middletown, New York. Today's message will be brought to you by our senior pastor, Reverend Albert Feliciano Sr. Each week we stream our live recorded services to encourage, build up, and edify our listening audience. Our aim is to share with you the uncompromised and infallible word of the living God. Our prayer is that today's message will draw you closer in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And now, here is Pastor Albert with today's word. Saints of God, it is good to be back in the courts of the living God. I tell you, last week I was praying against that snowstorm and we still had a snowstorm. And I said, oh Lord, we're going to miss a Sunday. I don't like missing Sundays at all, but I'm glad that everyone was safe and warm. It was the right decision, but praise God, we're going to move forward as planned. This week, the title of my message this morning, I am the good shepherd. This is part four. We haven't done uh, this since before Christmas, amen, but we're back on this uh, plan. I am the good shepherd, part four. We're going to be reading this morning from John chapter 10. I'm going to ask you to keep the book of John and the chapter 10 open throughout this message. We're going to be going back and forth to many verses in that chapter. But we're going to start at verse number 11. It's only one verse this morning. For those that are able, let's uh, just stand for the reading of God's word. It's just one verse, so why don't we all read this verse together. Amen? Let's begin. And the word of the Lord says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Glory to God. You may take your seats this morning in the presence of the living God. Again, we continue our I am declarations of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe today this particular statement is one of the most tender I am statements that Jesus had made. Glory to God. We know the first one was, I am the bread of life. We learned in that statement that Jesus truly satisfies. He said, man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus is the word of God, and he truly satisfies. We also heard him say, I am the light of the world. Jesus sanctifies, and he calls you and I to be light of the world, and we are to expose dark areas, dark, uh, uh, dark regions, amen? We are called to be the light of the world. We heard Jesus say, I am the door. That means Jesus saves. There's no other way to get to heaven but through the door. We know that Revelations 4, Jesus uh, gave a, a revelation to John, and he said, behold, I saw a door standing in heaven and the door said come unto me how many can hear the voice of the lord god the door the shepherd of his people and we read in john 10 verse 11 he says i am the good shepherd jesus christ our lord he is the good shepherd. And this morning, we're going to get to know exactly what that means. We know that all the, the I am declarations of Jesus are, are a glimpse into his very nature, into his heart for us. Amen. And today, he's referring to himself as the good shepherd. The first point, Jesus said, 
I am the good shepherd. And what is this saying? He's revealing to us his character. The good shepherd revealing the character to his sheep. The prophets of old knew the Lord God as the good shepherd. And we read today uh, a Psalm 23. David, he says, the Lord is my shepherd. Let me tell you something. I absolutely love that Psalm. I think if anyone in this room is is even closely remotely associated with Jesus Christ they would love that that psalm it is one of the greatest psalms I think in the entire book of the psalms amen but there's so much meat in there and oftentimes it just gets buried we don't go back to it we read it we've memorized it and we just move on but there's so much depth in that and there's so much love that's why so often we read it at funerals And we read it because there's blessed promises for the believer. But the reality is, like Brother Allen said earlier, that doesn't apply to all people. It applies to those who have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, as their good shepherd. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah, he also knew Jesus as the good shepherd. In Isaiah 40, verse 11, he says, He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. How many are feeding off of the word of God every single day? Praise God. In the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel said of him, I will search for my sheep. Listen, if you haven't been chased by God, you probably don't recognize it, but he's been chasing you from the minute you were born. That's why you can go to the club. That's why you can go to these crazy places, illicit things, and you never feel peace because the Spirit of God is chasing you. He chases. He seeks after his sheep. You see, it's one thing to not know God. Then you could go ahead and be reckless without no care, abandonment. You could just go and do you. But once you've tasted the Lord, once you've tasted the goodness of God, once the word has been engrafted in your heart, once you know Jesus and now your friend says, yo, let's go, let's go party, let's go. And you you find yourself doing something that you know you shouldn't be doing. Everybody's having a blast. Everybody's having a grand old time. And you're saying, oh, my God, I can't believe I'm here. What am I doing here? I can't believe I got convinced to come here. Or, or you might try to fake it till you make it. But when you go home. And you put your head on that pillow. You know that God isn't happy. You know that you disobeyed the Lord. And you're on your bed. You're on your pillow. And you're saying, oh, God, have mercy on me. Have mercy on my soul. You know why? Because God never stops pursuing a relationship with you. Why? Because he's a good shepherd. And he cares for the sheep. Hallelujah to Jesus Christ. In the book of Nahum, Nahum 1, verse 7, Nahum said, the Lord is good. Listen to this verse. He said, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knows those who trust in him. Let me tell you the truth. At any other time in the history of this church, By now, your pastor would be doing this with all the stuff that has been thrown at my direction, uh, being displaced, 
all that health stuff, all the, the, the criticism, the gripes, the complaints, the judgments. All, you know what I've learned? I put my hope and my trust in God. It's like Teflon, amen? Like there comes a point in, in our walk with God that we say, oh, God, glory to you. It's all you, Lord. You're my defender. You're my source. If I don't go back to the good shepherd, if I don't go back before the presence of the God, this stuff can swallow me up. And this is how we all have to be. We have to rely on the Lord. The Lord is our stronghold in the time of trouble. That means no matter what's going on around you, he's going to hold on to you. He's going to hold on to you like with the G.I. Joe and the Kung Fu grip. He's going to hold on to you and not let you go. That's an old 70s toy. Amen. Because some of these kids are like, who's G.I. Joe? Oh, well, that kids are not in the room. Amen. Praise God. How many are being held by God like Kung Fu, G.I. Joe, grip? Hallelujah. Lord, hold me, brother. Hold me, my Lord God. Hallelujah. God knows those who are his. He's a stronghold, and he, he blesses those who trust him. Glory to God. Now listen to this. There's a verse in Scripture where the rich man is talking to Jesus, and he says, good teacher, how will I get? to heaven. Rabbi, good teacher, how is it that I will get to heaven? And we know the story. Jesus said, love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Have you kept the commandments? And then he says, but why do you call me good when there is no one good but God? Matthew 19, 16 through 17. No one is good but one. That is God. That very statement reveals the deity, the divinity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is God. Hallelujah. And he is good. If anyone was good, he could have immediately declared that. But he wanted to teach us a lesson. God is good, and he alone is good. Jesus came to do the will of the Father in heaven. In the New Testament, there are three different titles of Christ being the good shepherd of the sheep. The first one we read where Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd. And here he is dying for the sheep. Hebrews 13, 20. For those that are taking notes. It says, the great shepherd is risen for his sheep. And the third in 1 Peter, verses of chapter 5, verse 4. The chief shepherd is coming back for his sheep. Hallelujah. I need to ask everybody in this room a question this morning. Do you personally know the good shepherd this morning? Charlton Heston, he's one of my favorite old school actors. Amen. How many love that Ten Commandments movie? That's like epic, right? Cecil B. DeVille, I think his name is. I want to read you this story. And it's a really touching story. It's a true story. Charlton Heston, if many of you know the movie, you know he has a deep, rich voice. And his voice carries weight and carries authority. Charlton Heston was a popular actor in the second half of the 20th century. He was a lead actor in seven award-winning films, in several, excuse me, The Ten Commandments, El Cid, Ben-Hur, many others. During his prime in Hollywood, the Reverend Billy Graham also became a well-known preacher, evangelist, honored by all evangelical church denominations. There was one event in Washington where they were both invited to, uh, to, to this event. 
During the event, Charlton Heston was asked to recite Psalm 23. And he agreed only on one condition, that the Reverend Billy Graham would recite it too immediately after him. Reverend Billy Graham agreed. With his award-winning voice that earned him millions of dollars, Charlton Heston recited Psalm 23 with emotion and with enthusiasm. The applauding crowd roared in a standing ovation. Then it was Reverend Billy Graham's turn to recite Psalm 23. With his convincing voice that God often used to earn millions of souls into the kingdom of Christ, he recited Psalm 23 in the same manner as Charlton Heston did. But this time, the crowd did not applaud. The hall did not roar, and there was no standing ovation. But almost everyone in the room had tears rolling down their cheeks. At the end of the event, a journalist approached Charlton Heston and asked him, what could have made the difference with the audience response? He politely answered, sir, I know Psalm 23 by heart, but my friend, the Reverend Billy Graham, he knows the shepherd by heart. Saints of the Most High, knowing the good shepherd is the game changer in your life. Do you know the good shepherd as your own? The second point, as the good shepherd, Jesus reveals to us his care. He cares for every single one of you in this room today. Some of you might have come into this room thinking, God doesn't love me. God doesn't care for me. If he did, why would all this stuff be happening to me? Why would he allow so much hardship, so much struggle, so much toil? I'm here to tell you that the good shepherd loves you with an everlasting love, a love beyond your understanding. He is the good shepherd. If you have your Bible open to John 10, I'm going to browse through some of these verses. But verse number 3, he says, the good shepherd speaks to his sheep. Many of you hear the good shepherd's voice. Verse 3 also said, the good shepherd, he calls his sheep by name. Does he know your name? I bet you he does. Hallelujah. He knows the very hairs on your head, and he even numbers them. And one of them doesn't fall out without permission. God knows the details of your life. He knows what's in your heart. He knows what's in your spirit. He knows you better than you know yourself. Also in verse 3, the good shepherd leads his sheep. So many people aim wondrously through life without direction, without knowing where they're headed. Many people want to take others down the path with them. You know what that means? They don't know where they're headed, but they want to take someone else with them where they don't know where they're headed. The word is marriage. Many, many men have no idea where they're headed, but you want to take a young lady down the road to nowhere with you. That's why we're not doing that in this house. Hallelujah. We're raising righteous, God-fearing men of God. One, two, three. Hallelujah. We're raising men that are accountable before God first. 
that pray for a vision. Because then when God gives you a vision, when God gives you direction, now you know where you're headed, and now God can send the helper to you. The Azar. Hallelujah. That's one. One, two, three. That's one. <laughs> Amen. Listen, it's a teamwork. It's teamwork. When God calls, he calls a husband and a wife. Now, it takes two people to raise a family. And I'm sorry, there are many single parents here, and you're doing the job of two people. And I applaud you. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. But the reality is that was not meant to be. The good shepherd leads his sheep. You pray in the morning, God, take me today. Walk with me today. Lead me where I should go. Verse 4, the good shepherd goes before his sheep. That means all you have to do is follow the shepherd, follow the path. Verse 12, the good shepherd protects his sheep. Praise God. I'm reminded of a story. My, my sister Maria was in the city, and it was during some crazy time, and there was some wild people, drugged out people. She was walking on her way to work, and somebody went and tried to hit her the blood of jesus she put her hand the blood of jesus this guy i think he fell back praise god listen we don't understand the power the authority that is with us the good shepherd protects you that means no matter where you are you're protected and listen this is important my wife the other day was parking and there was a van a van with no windows came and pulled up right next to her vehicle and all these guys came out, and while she's walking through the supermarket, they're all following her. And thank God, because she's a wise woman, praise the Lord. She spoke to one of the, the females uh, at the cash register who was just helping bagging. She said, would you do me a favor? Would you walk with me to my car? And she said, no problem, let's go. You understand, when you're surrounded by the love of God, when you're protected by God, he gives you wisdom. You have discernment. And now you're not a sitting duck doo, 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 walking around and not being aware of your surroundings. We're in an evil day. You've got to be prepared. You don't know the, the dangers that lurk. And more so, leaders. More so, pastors, ministers, people that are standing in the gap for others are target number one for the enemy. Primary target. That's why leaders in this house, we got to be prayed up. Verse 13, the good shepherd stays with his sheep. Verse 14, the good shepherd is known by his sheep. Verse 15, the good shepherd lays his own life down for the sheep. Listen, there's not many people that would sacrifice themselves on your behalf. But our good shepherd, not only did he say it, he did it. He laid his life down, raised it back up again because of his love for the sheep. Glory to God. Verses 27 through 29. The good shepherd gives eternal life to his sheep. Praise God. And listen to this. This is wonderful. No one will ever snatch his sheep out of his hands glory to god let's talk a little bit about another type of shepherd the bible calls them hirelings let me go back to verse 12 and 13 it says but a hireling he who is not the shepherd one who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about 
the sheep. Can I be transparent with the people of God this morning? I'm about to say some disturbing truths from my own ministry, my own perceptions, my own revelations of things, even in our own community. I say this as a matter of fact. I've been a pastor now for 15 years. And over the years, I've had countless people come to me and they say to me, Pastor, would you pray for my family member? Pastor, would you come and visit my aunt, my cousin, my brother, my sister, my mother, my father? Would you come and visit them at the hospital? Pastor, would you pick up people? Pastor, would you help us? Would you help our family members? Would you help us with food? Would you help us with bills? Would you pay my cell phone bill for me? Here, how about this? Pastor, would you marry my niece, my nephew, my cousin, Junebug, Papo? Would you baptize Junebug, Papo, Rocky, Tito? How about this? Would you dedicate our children? Would you do a funeral for my loved ones? Would you give us counseling for free? Would you find me an apartment? I need to move. I need you to find me a place to live. Pastor, would you find me a job? I need to work. Would you find me a job? No, I'm serious. I'm saying this in the fear of God. Would you become my uh, uh, alias, not my alias, what's the word I'm looking for? Alliance. My personal secretary, my administrative assistant. Here's my response to every single one of those. The first question I ask, have you spoken about this to your pastor? I always ask that question. I never am going to step on another pastor's toes. But typically when I ask that question, I get all kinds of responses. Typically, oh, well, I'm not a member of any church. I don't have a pastor. Or my pastor doesn't even know my name. Or I've only been at that church for three years. Or, you know, all kinds of, all kinds of reasons. He doesn't get back to me. He doesn't care. Or worse yet, he doesn't even know my name. How sad. How unfair. One time, a pastor was away on vacation, and they asked me to do something. I said, sure, no problem. I'd be happy to serve. But a pastor who is truly called of God, who is truly appointed by the Spirit of God to lead God's people, is going to love the sheep that is assigned to them, is going to stop everything and go and attend to one of the sheep. Praise God. A loving pastor should smell like the sheep. If you ever been in a farm and you go by a shepherd that has been tending the flocks, you would see that that shepherd, especially the one shearing the sheep and feeding the sheep, he's going to smell just like the sheep. Why? Because a pastor should always be in close proximity to the sheep. Let me be clear. There are some sheep who are simply spiritual 
sappers. I couldn't find a better picture, but this here is a maple tree being sapped for its syrup. And some people want to come up, and you're here, hey, how you doing? They go, they want to stick this into your forehead. And they want to sap the spiritual life juice out of you every single minute of every single day. And there are new pastors, unfortunately, that have not been in the experience for so long. So they allow people to spiritually sap them dry. Take every bit of life out of them. And now they come home sapped and drained and empty. And then the wife wants attention, wants it. Wait, wait, you, you never talk to me. And it's because of being spiritually drained, alive. I call these people the repeat offenders, the habitual tumblers. Pastor, I've fallen and I can't get up. Okay, I'll help you up today. And three hours later, Pastor, I fell again, and I can't get up. Okay. Then tomorrow, Pastor, I've fallen, and I can't get up. Pretty soon you get a life alert button. You get a little, the, what are those life things, man? Hallelujah. It's the Holy Spirit of God. Because what ends up happening is they become draining. They drain, they drain, and drain. And they want to dominate the time. The strength, the spiritual stamina, the vitality of the pastor because of their need for exclusivity or their need for affirmation or their need for sympathy or their need for validation. Hallelujah. And I can go on and on. Listen, I know I'm not talking to the choir. Some of you have people like that in your own life. Am I telling the truth? Some of you get that call at 1130, you go, oh. Am I telling the truth? You get that call five times a day, you go, Lord Jesus, I think I should change my number. We even start thinking, I should change my number or, or get another phone. It's because that person is shepherdless, refuses to submit to the voice of the shepherd sometimes can't even hear the voice of the shepherd pastors leaders ministers we have to be able to discern and deal properly with i'm going to call them the egr sheep what does egr stand for people extra grace required amen that we have the grace of God. We're not Jesus. He's the good shepherd. But we can pray for one another. But ultimately, there comes a point where maturity has to set in. We all have to grow up, especially in the day that we're in. But we need to have grace for the sheep of God. But thank God that our good shepherd is not flawed like most pastors are. Praise God that our good shepherd knows exactly how to deal with the sheep. He is an expert in dealing with the sheep. Did you know that sometimes the shepherd has to break the leg, boom, break the leg of the sheep and then take the sheep and put them around the neck 
and nurse that sheep back to life while all the other sheep are following him and, and allowed to graze and drink water and all that. This sheep is now learning lessons. Man, I can't run away from the sheep no more. Man, I, I, from the shepherd no more. Man, I can't stop ignoring the voice of the shepherd because I'm going to get eaten by a wolf. The shepherd actually loves me. And, you know, by having his heart, the sheep, by the neck of the shepherd, now you can start feeling the pulse. You can start feeling the, the pulse the, uh, uh, on the neck. You start feeling the heartbeat of the shepherd. And now you're so close to the shepherd that you start to recognize the movements of the shepherd. You start to hear the, uh, the inflections in his voice. You know when he's happy. You know when he's not happy. You know when he's calling you. You know when he's not calling you. You even know sometimes what's in his heart because he's just loving on you. He's stroking. You say, man, this, this shepherd must really dig me, must really love me. And by the time you get nursed back to health, he now takes you and says, now, follow me. Me, me. See, the good shepherd knows. You know, sometimes the good shepherd has to anoint your head with oil because there's flies and all kinds of stuff. Did you know that the oil is an ointment that is a healing ointment? It keeps the flies and the pest and the mosquitoes, I'll say demons, it keeps them off the sheep. And he has to anoint you and let it cover all into you so that you can now be an impenetrable force field against those pests. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness shall follow me all the days of my life. Listen, saints of God. So many put so much high expectations on pastors and leaders. You need to pray for your pastor every single day. Because we're flawed sheep. We're flawed. There's not, listen, if your pastor stands up here and starts, you know, tooting the horn, let me tell you, pray even more. Because there's a spirit of pride. My wife said it best this morning during her time of prayer. The closer I feel like I get to God, the dirtier I feel. If you really know the shepherd, you understand what those words mean. Because when you compare yourself to the holiness of God, to the standard of purity and moral excellence, when you put yourself in, in sight of the most powerful, precious, loving, uh, peaceful, merciful God, the forgiving God, all these things, or you start looking at the characteristics of Jesus Christ, and you put yourself next to that, you say, oh, God, oh, God. Have mercy on me. I'm filthy. I'm disgusting. I'm a dirty rag. I'm, I'm, I'm a heathen. Oh, God, have mercy on my soul. Oh, God, find it in your loving grace and your mercy to remember me on the day of the Lord. Oh, God, I just want to be by your side. You start to realize that you're not all that and a bag of chips. Jesus calls us to draw near to him. He saves us even from ourself. Listen, I, I want to share something. I'm putting myself out there. Amen? Let me just put this. Put this. Last and Christmas Eve, we had a service. 
Many of you heard a miracle. I was going to share both miracles. There were two miracles that took place that day. For those who were here, who was here on Christmas Eve, yeah. you're going to know exactly what I'm talking about in a minute. If you were here and you stayed to the end, because the minute I say it's time to receive morning tithes and offerings, everybody hits the door. But if you stayed past the prayer of the offering, you would have noticed a miracle take place in front of your presence. And I'm going to tell you what that miracle is. The first one was the shock family who were exposed to dangerous levels of carbon monoxide, and they were spared by the love, the grace, the mercy of God. I am so grateful to God that you're here. I'm so grateful to God that you're here, that your family's here, Portia, Jamie. I'm so grateful to God because I love you, and I praise God for you. Brother, you're like supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Your technical wisdom is on a different level. Nelson and I, we're just trying to get along. Hallelujah. We're just trying to make it. But you are, you're a man of God. You're for that. Hallelujah. There's nobody here that could do what you do. And more than all the other things, the choir, all the, you guys are such a blessing. So praise God that the Lord saved them, spared them. Listen. If it was 10 more minutes, they would be dead. 10 minutes. 10 minutes. But there was another. This might seem insignificant, but for me it was huge. That day on Christmas Eve, I chose this song, Handel's Messiah from Quincy Jones, to be our offering song. Now listen. How many times have you heard this pastor talk about portals demonic realms, and all this other stuff. And for one fleeting second, I must not have seen it on the radar, but I said, you know, Handel's Messiah, it's a good song. Hallelujah, 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 Lord God Almighty, right? Omnipotent, praise Him, right? It's a good song. I said, it's got to be pretty good. It's got to be holy. Let's do it for Christmas. Now, here's the miracle. When it was time for the offering, you remember, if you were here, the whole screen just went, and went, it went blue, a whole blue screen. Do you remember the blue screen? And I said, oh, that's weird. The computer just turned off. And I looked. I saw the plug. It was plugged in. Everything. There was no reason for the computer to be off. And it just died. I said, Okay. I'm talking, everybody, let's prepare ushers. And I'm going, when I stood to like right here, you remember, if you were here, you saw this happen. I went, the, the, the pewter, I was going to go and turn it back on, and I stopped right here. And I just turned around. I said, Brother Manny, can you uh, play the guitar? Listen, we gave a testimony that morning about a, a time of financial distress, and we shared this testimony. We had asked Manny to bring his guitar in to play over the testimony. Brother Manny, I got a picture of him. He's like this. He was engrossed in the testimony. He didn't play a lick. Nothing. It just sat there. It was all connected, but he didn't play nothing. He was like this. And they go. I saw little tears going down his eyes. He was all in. Praise God. Because it wasn't meant for that. So as I'm going in and I'm turning, the Lord said, don't turn it on. I was like, he, I turned that computer off. This was the Holy Spirit. And immediately he brought that cover to my mind. Quincy Jones had done this song 
with a lot of gospel artists who are now mixed up in the world. They have compromised. There's strange fires on that gospel song. In addition to that, there were several celebrities and actors who ain't even singers, but they were invited to sing on that song. And when that song was put on the PowerPoint, God said, hey, Albert, you missed this one. Hey, Albert, I don't want that song in this house. This is my house. That's not your house. This is my house. And if I got to step in and protect you from yourself, then that's what I'm going to do. Don't you dare touch that computer. All that was in my spirit. And I said, hey. That song has been erased out of the laptop. It does not exist in the computer. It was never in the computer beforehand. I just thought it would be a cool thing to play Handel's Messiah on Christmas. I praise God because the good shepherd saves me from me. Even when I ain't thinking, even when I'm asleep at the wheel, even when I didn't think it through, even if I didn't pray about it, God still protects me because he loves me. And even from my own foolishness, he protects me. That's the relationship that we have. And when I heard the voice of the shepherd, I said, okay, Brother Manny, can you play? We were like, give thanks with a grateful heart. He did it in key and everything. We give thanks. You know, sometimes you go to church, you got to go ding, 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 ding. Give thanks. You know, he hit it right on the first note. Why? God ordained it to be so. God loves this house that he protects us even from ourselves. Powerful. Powerful. God jumped in and saved the day. My final point, my first close, because I got three more pages. As the good shepherd, Jesus reveals to us his cross. Verse 15, as the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus agrees to lay his own life down for the sheep. I need you to think about that statement because it's so oftentimes goes right over our head. What God in the entire universe, what God in any religion you could think of, what God is willing to lay his life down for his sheep. Allah, fake God, won't lay his life down. Mohammed couldn't lay his life down. Buddha didn't lay his life down. Mo, Mo, all these, uh, Vishnu, Krishna, all these, all these weird gods. How about this, people? Oprah Winfrey ain't going to lay her life down for you. So many people follow her like she's a god. There's no one that's going to lay their life down for you. Many cases, even your own mom and dad ain't going to lay their life down for you. But God, he sent his son 
And he said, son, I love you so much. Go and die for my kids. Go and die for my sheep. What? Dad, are you sure? If there be any other way, let this cup pass from me. You don't remember that conversation taking place? But not my will, but thy will be done. He went to the cross, a place of suffering and shame. Even on the cross, the Pharisees, they were mocking him, the very people that betrayed him, the very people that crafted a plan. They were used by the devil. And on the cross, they said, if you really are the king, if you really are the son of God, why don't you miracle yourself off the cross and then maybe we'll believe. Can you imagine that? After spitting on him, after beating on him, he probably had black eyes, busted up lip. He probably was jacked up. The Bible indicates several times that, I'm not talking the Romans, the Jews, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, they beat him up, the Sanhedrin, beat him up in the chambers. And then he went to be flogged by the Romans. The very people spitting on him, beating him, pulling the hair out of his beard as he's carrying a 300-pound wooden cross with splinters going into the wounds. And this is why I can't understand this kind of love. I don't have a concept for this kind of love. That song we just sang is while that took place, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing can you can you imagine that i mean many of us would want somebody bring me a hammer and, and a pair of pliers i'm coming down I'm beating some people up right now right because we we have a different mindset he loved us so much that he chose to forgive us from the cross the cross it was through the cross that the good shepherd provided salvation for the sheep. Not only some sheep, not only Jewish sheep, but all sheep. Jesus spoke in the Bible about other sheep that are in the fold. Verse 16, and other sheep, listen, I have which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. I'm going to say this without giving names. Because if I did, everybody would know. But there's a famous pastor that's under a lot of scrutiny. But there's a video, an uh, uh, interview with him that he used this verse, John 10, 16, and referred to homosexuals being other sheep that are of this fold. If I'm correct, I believe that was a statement made on an interview. And also in that interview, they asked him a question on homosexuality, and this particular person said, my position is evolved and evolving on the matter. Listen, as a man of God, your position never evolves. I'm going to say this as a matter of fact. 
the word evolved is a demonic word. I don't even like to use that word. There's not a single thing in the entire planet that has evolved. It's a made-up word. There's no such thing as evolution. And I'm, I challenge anyone here to disprove me on that. Some people will say, but pastor, you know, Charles Darwin proved that birds, their beaks change from a little beak to a bigger beak. That's evolution. No, it's not. That's adaptation. The bird didn't become a frog. The frog didn't become an elephant. The elephant didn't become a fly. There's nothing, nothing ever that has evolved or is evolving. That is a demonic, man-made word. I'm just saying. This verse does not refer to alternative lifestyles. This refers to Jews and Gentiles. Hallelujah. Both Jews and Gentiles need salvation. The church is incomplete without the Jews. I posted last week a post, many of you might have seen it, on the group page on Facebook, of three reasons why the Jews reject Jesus. And it's helpful to know this information, especially if you have Jewish friends that you're evangelizing to or you want to know what arguments they might bring before you. But really quickly, just to summarize, there's three reasons that, number one, Jews are taught from birth that as a Jew, they are not allowed to believe in Jesus. And they're really not given much question. Yeah, hey, you're a Jew, so we are not supposed to believe in Jesus. And there's a reason for that. Amen? Go to the video for, for time, to, for constraints of time. The second reason, let me just put these up. All Jews are taught not to believe or not allowed to believe in Jesus Christ. The second reason that Jesus can't be God because he was a man. And if you remember in the second commandments, it says, you should not make for yourself any graven image on the heavens above or on the earth below. So in other words, if Jesus Christ was a man, God cannot be a man. And so therefore, they didn't want to believe in Jesus Christ being God. But the Bible says in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And then go down to verse 14, John 1, 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The third reason is Jesus broke the Jewish law. They referred to Matthew 12, 1. It says, and that time Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck heads of grain to eat. Turn your neighbors, somebody say, spirit of dumb. Hallelujah. Jesus himself said, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath. Hallelujah. He said, if any of you have a donkey on the Sabbath that needs food or drink, would you not unloose your donkey to go and drink and eat? How much more so the disciple, the brethren? Jesus said in Matthew 5, 17, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. How many know that Jews and Gentiles can serve Jesus Christ together? Many of you know these scriptures to be the scriptures of salvation. This is how someone can enter into eternal life. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. 
For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. But here's the next verses that are very important. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That means we can all serve the Lord, the good shepherd, together. Our God, the good shepherd, not only had the power to lay his life down, but he had the power to conquer death itself. The cross was part of the Father's plan for mankind. Jesus was going to the cross not only to forgive us of our sin, but to defeat death, to defeat the grave, and take the keys of sin and death and hell and give them back to us over here. Hallelujah. Jesus said in verse 17 and 18, Therefore my Father loves me because I lay my life down that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. No one takes his life from him. I love in John 20, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and the legion of soldiers comes down, and they're all ready to take him by force if necessary. And the disciples are all asleep. And Jesus is alone still praying after he's telling them, could you not keep watching me for one hour? And his disciples, yes, yes, I got your back. And they're out there. The legion comes with swords and with shields and with spears. And they come up and Jesus stands in his authority. And he stands up after having prayed a whole night with blood, droplets of blood coming out because there was no more sweat. He started to sweat blood. You know the anguish he must have been going through? Knowing what he was about to endure? They said, Jesus said, who are you here for? They said, we're here for Jesus of Nazareth. Nazareth. And Jesus said, I am he. Whew. For a split second, for a fleeting moment, the glory escaped him. I am he. It must have been like thunder and a boom. The Bible says all the soldiers, a legion, a thousand soldiers possibly, all the soldiers fell back, fell back. Dropped their sword, dropped their shields, dropped everything. They were so shaken that they didn't even know what hit them. Boom. They all fell. Then the Bible records Jesus picking them up and brushing them off. And they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. what just happened? What just happened? Here, take your helmet, put it back on, bro. Here, take your shield, take your spear. Is that yours? That's your, that's your, yeah, here, here you go. What, what just happened? He says, you came, all of you, and you said, we're here for Jesus and Nazareth. I said I was he, and you guys fell. Y'all done lost your footing. Y'all was tripping. You done lost your footing. All right, that's corny. Didn't go nowhere. All right, praise God. And then, of course, Peter, that probably would have been me. 
honestly. Peter was like, no, master, no. He took the sword. And I'm telling you, because listen, a lot of people don't think about this, but I think about this stuff. The Bible says he cut off the ear of one of the soldiers. Do you know how hard it is for someone to cut an ear off like this and stop without getting the clavicle or, or your bone or any? It wasn't this. I'm thinking that Peter had took the sword and swung to chop off that guy's head. And he must have went, and it went, whoosh, and chopped his ear off. Plausible. Plausible. More plausible than this, right? He probably ducks, oh, and the little ear, like Mike Tyson and Evander Holyfield. And then Jesus picked up the little ear and healed him. I said, he who lives by the sword shall die by the sword. Even in that moment, he still loved the very people. And he put his hand, this is the whole point, he put his hands out. He says, no one takes my life. I give it of my own accord. If I wanted to call an angel, an army of angels from heaven and wipe all of you out, I wouldn't even have to lift a finger. They would all come down and destroy all of you guys. But I give it. For this reason I came. That's the God that we serve. And he says, I and my Father are one. How many know that Jesus alone is God? He declared himself to be God. And so many people say, well, he can't be God. He never said, I was God. Right there, verse 30. I and my Father are one. He's declaring himself to be God, Jesus alone. And he not only declared it, he proved it from raising himself from the dead. Romans 4, uh, 1, 14. And declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Listen, for all you want to be fake gods out there, you want my attention? Raise yourself up from the dead and you'll have my attention. Until then, no one can prove to me anything other than Jesus Christ. He is the Good Shepherd. Ephesians 1, 19 through 20. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. Glory to God. Listen, this is going to blow you away, saints of God. According to the scripture, believers have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I'm going to say that again. Amen. Believers have access to the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. This power is available because God dwells in us and among us through the Holy Spirit of God. The power that raised Jesus from the dead is not some universal force that we can control. But rather it's a power that we can access through faith in God through his Holy Spirit. And this is a problem for a lot of people because you see these TV preachers that are playing with the power of God. Like you see Benny Hinn. I'll say his name. Benny Hinn. He'll, 
tell people certain things suggestive and they fall down. He goes, pick them up again. Boom, they fall down. He'll take his jacket and 30 people fall back. Playing games with the power of God. Listen, God's going to deal with people one day. All these charlatans, they're going to be dealt with. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7, for those that are taking notes, I'm just going to paraphrase. The Bible says in those verses that he raised us up together. That means we are raised together with Christ. He made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That means we are seated with Jesus in his presence. Glory to God. We have access to all the things. We are joint heirs with Jesus. The good shepherd gives us eternal life. Verse 28, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. He securely holds them on his own hands. He guarantees the future of the sheep. Listen to this in Revelations 26. Blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power. But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Hallelujah. Saints of God, when I read stuff like this, it blows me away. Because you know what? We know the end of the story before it happens. How many understand that when you know the end, it takes the fear away? It takes the fear away. There's sometimes I've watched a movie, but I had read the book earlier. Or I'll watch a program, but I know the story because i already seen the news clipping. Or there's a documentary made of a certain thing, but I already know the ending. And it kind of takes away the sting. It takes away the fear. Even when you see all things breaking out, you say, oh, oh. If you know the end of the story, you say, don't worry, don't worry. It's all good. It's coming together. Don't worry. He wins at the end. Don't worry. It's going to be okay. You know, it takes the edge off. And this is why God gives us the book of Revelation. This is why God gives us prophecies. This is why God gives us his word. He tells us the very end so that we can walk with authority while we're stepping over bodies, while we're stepping over crisis, while we're stepping over health issues, while we're stepping over bank account stuff, while we're stepping over the very thing that holds people back the very thing that scares you to death those in Christ hallelujah we have a hope that the world doesn't know anything about it's like having the early edition It's like you getting a, a letter. We're putting a lien on your home we're putting a lien on your car we're going to come and repossess your car but then your mom or your neighbor, somebody says, don't worry, man, I got you. Don't even worry. What is it, 3,000? You owe 3,000 here. <laughs> no problem. It takes the edge off, doesn't it? Right? It, when you don't have to fear about it because somebody else is stepping in and is giving you the outcome, the solution, and you already know. Listen, I can stand before the judge and say, no problem, Your Honor. I have the money right now here in my hand. Right? Or the bully. In school, I'm going to get you at 3 o'clock. I'm going to meet you in the parking lot. And, ooh, I'm going to beat you down. But your big brother, <laughs> what? Where is he going to be? 3 o'clock? Where at? Where at? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. My brother actually did that. I had this dude, big, big dude. And he was going to beat me down. I told my brother. My brother came to the school and took care of business. He almost got arrested. 
And my brother was like, whoa, this dude is big. <laughs> Knocked him out. Put him against the locker. Bam, bam. It was in the school. And I was like, yeah, yeah, listen to me now. Listen to me now. Yo, I was just kidding. I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. When you have somebody in your corner that's going to defend you, that's going to stand up for you, then it takes the edge off. Praise God. The good shepherd, he says, I am not going to lose not one of you. Not one of you. No one's going to snatch them out of my hand. No problem. Saints of God, do you know the voice of the shepherd? Let me give you this really cool illustration. I used this like four or five years ago, but it's such a good illustration. There's a Native American walking down the street with a businessman. He stopped and said, listen, listen. The businessman said, listen to what? What are, you, what are you listening to? There's cars, there's buses, there's, listen. He goes, do you hear it? Hear what? Do you hear it? Hear what? The crickets. Do you hear the crickets? No, I don't hear no crickets. The Native American tried to help the businessman focus on the sound of the crickets. Can you hear it? They're getting louder. Oh, they're getting so loud. Right now, they're even louder than before. The businessman kept saying, I don't hear anything. The Native American looked around, and right below them was a little cricket. And he went and picked it up. The businessman looked shocked. He said, I can't believe it. We're here in downtown Metropolis with people everywhere. And you and I are speaking. And you hear a cricket? I don't know how you did that. The Native American reached into his pocket and took out some change. And he threw the change on the ground. Twenty people all around stopped all at once. And they looked down at the change. And he looked at the businessman and told him, you always hear what you are tuned into. You are tuned into money, so you will always hear a penny drop. I am tuned into nature, so I hear little crickets. A lot of Christians miss the still small voice of God because they are just tuned in to the wrong things. I say again, do you know? Do you hear the voice of the shepherd? Jesus said, I am known by my sheep, and my sheep hear my voice. You can only hear, saints of God, what you are tuned into. You will only hear what you are focused upon. What is your focus? What voices do you hear each day? Are you tuned into this world or the voice of the Father. Some of us need to say, is that the voice of the shepherd that I'm listening to? Or is that some other voice that belongs to something else? What voice is louder? God has given us discernment. He allows us to recognize the still small voice of God, even in the midst of all the sounds around us in this world. God's voice is always going to be in line with his word. God's voice will always lead us into paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I'm going to say this. God's voice isn't always accommodating. 
I'm glad you got that. Sometimes God's voice is very uncomfortable. God's voice is going to take you places you never thought you would be. God's voice is going to have you say things you never thought you would say and to say them to people you never thought you would say them to. Make sure you know God's voice. We've been saying this all day, but be sure that God's voice, his signal, isn't being blocked or diverted by unaddressed sin. When there's unaddressed sin, God's voice and his direction are unrevealed because they're static on the line. Let me give you a little example. Years ago, I was a Dish Network subscriber. I was subscribed to a network that had satellites in orbit in outer space. And they would function so long as the weather was clear. But on those days that the weather was rainy or stormy, or if there was snow, my TV signal would blink on and off. And if it blinked a lot and the weather persisted, there would be a little sign and say, Due to severe weather conditions, your service is now interrupted. As soon as the weather clears, you will begin to have service again. Please be patient and stand by while the weather passes. Some weird message. And we would have to wait until the signal was acquired again. And we would get a black screen. Lost signal, lost signal, searching for signal. Many people, even some in this room, are trying to hear from God, but we're getting uploads from him saying, lost signal, lost signal, lost signal. There's unaddressed sin, lost signal. There's a blockage in the atmosphere, lost signal. There's a disruption, and God is sending the signal. It's time to clear the airway. There's a disruption in the atmosphere. That disruption is called sin. Many of us want to hear from God, want to hear the good shepherd's voice so clearly, but we won't deal with the unaddressed sin. Many do not wish to be free. Unaddressed sin leaves undelivered persons. There are some people that have lawsuits going on, and they will literally say, no, 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 don't pray for me. Because then I'll get better and I'll lose my lawsuit. Oh, don't, 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 don't pray for me because then that means I got to get a job. And I can't collect welfare anymore. No, no, no. I'll stay with my situation because this is, this is keeping me free. They think they're free in a wheelchair or free with a court case or free with stuff. No, not going to work. Ooh, I heard crickets. Crickets. 
God wants to set you free. Hallelujah. He wants to bless the labor of your hands. He wants to put a battle axe in your mouth. He wants you to be like an oracle of God that when you speak the word, the living word that it pierces through the atmosphere, it pierces through all kinds of drama, llama, ding dong, and it gets right to the source. Hallelujah. And it reaches the mark. Praise God. This is my second closing. Do you come to him when he calls? When the voice of the shepherd says, okay, you've gotten away long enough with your ramblings, with your baby behavior. Let's go. Come on. Come to daddy. Come now and be set free. Are you ready to hear the voice of God? Many are hearers, but they're not doers. They fake it till they make it. James says, James 1, 22 through 23. That's okay. It's just a picture. It says, therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. I may not have put a thing there, so that's okay. There's only one good shepherd, and I'm closing with this, but I need to say it in honesty. Your pastor is not the good shepherd. I want to make that very clear. You're looking at this man, this woman, another pastor, Pastor Shagra. We are not the good shepherd. I can't fit those sandals. I'm not the good shepherd. But I'm going to tell you what I liken myself to be in this office. I'm a sheepdog. Your pastor is a sheepdog. Ruth! The sheepdog is the most important animal to the shepherd in the flock. It sits by the master's feet waiting for instructions. Once it receives instruction, it gets up and it goes as commanded and corrals the sheeps together to help bring them to safe pasture to water, to the meadows, or to even their enclosure. And it protects the sheep from the wolves and the predators, and it would even fight to the death to protect the sheep. Listen carefully. Once the sheepdog is done with its assignment, it always returns back to the master's feet. And the shepherd, the sheepdog, is waiting for the shepherd to give the next set of instructions to get up and go. And then when he accomplishes the assignment, comes back. Every week, that's what a pastor should do. Pastors should be like the sheepdog, always returning back to the master's feet. 
How do you do that? When you go to the feet of the master, of the good shepherd, you stand by for instruction, but while you're there, you pray. You're in your word. You're in worship. You're waiting for the upload. If anybody knows me and you've been in this church for any period of time, you know I won't move a muscle till I hear from God. I won't move. I won't go nowhere. I won't even say something unless I hear from God. And once I hear, I'm on my way. And sometimes you hear words from this altar, sometimes hard words. And you don't, you don't understand. I'm on a site. I'm on a mission. Master has sent me for say what he wants me to say, and I have to do it as commanded. And then when it's over, do you know the good shepherd? For those that know the shepherd, your future is secure. But for those who don't, your future is in jeopardy. Verse 26, it says, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Saints of God, as I close, you cannot know the good shepherd if you don't love him. You cannot trust him if you don't know him. You cannot submit to him if you don't know him. You can't call him Lord if you don't know him. Jesus alone is the good shepherd. He's asking all of us to trust and obey. Isaiah 50.10, who among you fears the Lord? Who obeys the voice of his servant? Who walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and rely upon his God. There are no more excuses that are readily available. We have to be all in. Remember, it's a reasonable expectation for God to want all and not some. Amen? Genesis 27, 8. Now therefore, my son, obey my voice according to what I command you. We can't say we love the Lord and then not submit to his lordship. Those who don't know Jesus or don't know if Jesus really loves them and they don't know him as their shepherd, I'm telling you today by the Spirit of God, stop doubting the Lord. Stop doubting his love for you. Consider the three points that we discussed today. His character, his care, and his cross. Come to the good shepherd. God bless you, saints of the Most High God. We are so grateful to God for allowing us the opportunity to share this message with you. Thank you for listening. We want you to know that you are all in our constant prayers. If you've been blessed by today's program, why not consider partnering with us? To make a donation is easy. You can visit us online at www.specchurch.net or you can call us at 845-956-0133. Once again, that's www.specchurch.net or 845-956-0133. We invite you to worship with us one Sunday morning soon. Thank you again for your prayers and support. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. God bless you.